0: hey sticks and stones fans welcome to episode 19 it's been a while but the boys are back and better than ever right fresh off a couple new degrees fresh off a couple weeks of the pll we got lots to talk about in a short period of time so we also got a great interview um with our boy mike so to start us off gino how is uh how's the work life been i mean you're fresh out into a new role eight to five how's it
1: going good i know i uh it's definitely been a little bit of an adjustment having to get up at six 30 every day, but I really like it. I like what I do. Um, was in Boston last week for work and, uh, got absolutely buckled. <laughs> yeah. Got, got absolutely hosed with my boss, um, uh, which was sick in classic Gino fashion, of course, um, was not expecting to have a, a bender when I was in Boston, but ended up having <laughs> stringing a couple of nights together, but, uh, it was a good time. And, uh, yeah, just getting in the groove of things. Played golf yesterday and today. Shot way too high for for uh, you know both rounds. But you know perks living in a retirement community just free golf whenever I want. So trying to get better while I can. Um, but miss the boys for sure. That's that's been the adjustment. Next weekend, boys are going to Delray. Get to see get to see the kids. And Matt was in the group chat when we were we were decided plans and just the FOMO is absolutely brutal for the poor kid and up in New Jersey
0: yeah I'm absolutely depressed I mean love love New Jersey love being here but not being able to be with the boys um in Delray Beach for 4th of July not a 4th of July guy more of a July 1st kind of guy Canada Day gotta love it um but yeah 4th of July in Delray Beach I'm definitely we are gonna definitely gonna have a little bit of FOMO. Probably gonna have to delete myself from the group chat in the next coming days before that <laughs> yeah. shit starts heating up. Um, but yeah, excited for you guys to hang out, whatever. And I'll I'll be back in Florida soon. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so PLL. I mean, season's been pretty crazy so far. I mean, I guess before we touch PLL, um, quick NLL bump. Um, congrats to Colorado Mammoth. Um, a phenomenal final series, like going three games. Um and Colorado pulling it out. I mean, I think a lot of people all season have been riding with the bandits, um, especially with the, the PLL connection with the chaos boys coming off a championship, um, them kind of rolling into the NLL season, pretty hot and having a pretty good regular season, good playoff run um, just coming up a little bit short, Um, but pretty cool for our game as well. I mean, they, the fan base um, like the attendance for that NLL championship series was pretty insane. I think it was, I Forget the number, but it was something crazy, um, pretty impressive. I mean, the bandits always fill it, um, but it was great to see that um, Denver having a phenomenal fan base as well. I mean, the West Coast is growing for lacrosse big time. Um, Denver's always been like a a little bit of a lacrosse hotbed in the in the making. Um, so good to see that, and congrats to them. And we'll see uh, if Dylan Ward can come back and help out the Water Dogs. I mean, they didn't need him this week. They got their they got their first dub. Um, but yeah, What's I mean, name other name this week, what?
1: I think he played yesterday.
0: No, there was um,
1: it was it DeLuca. Deluca?
0: Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. He got his first win. I mean, I knew I knew they weren't going to start Ward. I mean, fresh off, like let him rest, let him get back into yeah, seeing. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Like, get let him get back into seeing some shots in a six by six. Um, but yeah, no, Deluca. It was huge. Like it was all over social media. Like him getting his first dub. Um, pretty cool for him. Um, and the Water Dogs especially to get back in the win column after a couple tough ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, might as well transition here and get into some PLL. What well, what are your thoughts so far on the season?
1: <sighs> gonna do very four, forty thousand feet overview. Redwood suck, Chromer legit, and I think the Whips are gonna end up winning the championship once they find their groove. Well,
0: so you're completely cutting out the
1: Atlas and the Archers? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think the Atlas are gonna choke. I think. They're gonna to rely too much on Jeff Keat and Chris Gray. Uh, the rest of their offense is gonna crumble. Uh I, I have it, I think Trevor Baptis is having a great year. Haven't been overly impressed with Jack and Cannon so far. Um, nor their defense. Like I think Tucker Durkin's getting up there in age. Like he's the he's a quarterback for that defense, but like on ball, sus. I mean, I, I watched their game against the Cannons and like. Michael Rexroad, I think, was guarding um, Asher Nolting. Don't get me wrong, Asher Nolting's a phenomenal player and, like, dominating as a rookie. I think he had five points this weekend. Um, But, like, there was a play where Asher Nolting was on the righty wing and he literally just was running across. Like, he's on the wing, like, dodging, you know, arcing to the cage, like, kind of using, like, like a chicken wing, getting, like, his body, like, leveraged to the goal. And we're just – Bitched Michael Rexrode for a goal. I, I can picture the goal vividly. I'll try and find like a clip of it for the Instagram. But like, um, I'm not overly impressed of their defense and like the Whips defense. I mean, proven winners. You got arguably the best defender in the PLL with Michael Earhart. Bryce Young is disgusting, um, and Kyle Bernward is a staple in terms of goalie. I think they got it. Matt Rambo's coming around. He had nine points this weekend. Um, yeah, that's a long-winded answer, but that's where my that's my three three takes. Chrome whips final.
0: I i right, I'm gonna discredit you um, a little bit here, um, but I get I, I agree with the defensive aspect. I agree that the Atlas's defense is going to be what struggles. Um, but Concanon right now is tied for first
1: in save percentage. Bro, but like. I, if you look at the quality of the shots that he's saving, I've seen some shots that are like beach ball two bombs. Like Jake, Jake Ficaro against the Cannons, like that game, literally shot at like a two pointer that was like stick side high, like should not have been a goal and just struggled. Like a lot of like saves that like should be saves that he is like traditionally made. And I know he like came off of injury this year, but like. I could be completely wrong and like numbers don't lie, but if you look at the quality of shots that he's saving, I think it's sus. And he's seeing a lot more shots than most goalies. I, what is is the number of like shots that he's seeing in comparison to everybody else? Is it significantly higher? I mean, he's got 44 saves on the year, it doesn't say shots. That's my, only, that's my only argument to that point of, like, the stats being more. Like, him having a lot of saves is that he's seeing a lot more shots just because their defense is dust.
0: Yeah, he's letting let four two-point goals, too.
1: Yeah, like, I could be wrong with that take. I've just watched a few games. I've watched bits and pieces of them all year, and then I watched the Cannons game, the full game last last week, I think it was. Um, it was very unimpressed. And I, I was a huge Jack and Cannon fan just because – didn't go to, like, a traditional, you know, Blue Buds program, Hofstra. Like, uh, was always a fan of his. Um, just very unimpressed so far.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, no, I think that that's where they're going to struggle. I mean, their offense is proving that they can fill the net. Um, yep. I mean, Jeff T. alone is just absolutely dominating. Mean, he's second in both goals and points, um, just behind Will Manny. So, he's, he's having a good year um, and just doing some absolutely – disgusting things with his stick that I've never seen a player do. Um, so absolutely dominating. And then you mentioned Baptiste as well. I mean, he's going 74% right now in, in yeah, the season. Like he's absolutely dominating. So having that is a huge piece. And if Kincannon can keep playing well, he needs to, he needs to carry that defense. Um, and I think they can have a run, but the archers, I mean, I've been pretty impressed with them as well. Um, I think that their offense, again, they have a very, studded offense um like Will Manny's absolutely spinning right now which is good for them um and then they got um Burn Lauren net as well who's having a very good year he's tied for first with King Cannon with 60% save percentage um so that's huge for them um and they got a lot of other pieces that are filling very well um but yeah I've been impressed with the Whips not impressed impressed with the the Redwoods um and the Chrome have been pretty good as well and then the Cannons are just kind of they're doing good things here and there, and then the Water Dogs until this week haven't impressed me either.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to pull up um, to piggyback off what you're saying with the Archers. Connor D. Simone was a huge fan of that pickup, undrafted free agent. I watched him in college. Um, played for the Tenacious Turtles, like growing up, which is like a disgusting club team. If you haven't heard of them, like that's they were prodigies.
0: Fun fact: that is the only. Um, club lacrosse team that I have ever lost to. That's nuts. One you game mean, I've lost.
1: Damn, I yeah, that you were like that age, like those kids. I remember watching their like YouTube channel, like when I was like, like just starting. I was like, yo, what the hell? These guys are disgusting.
0: Yeah, that is the one team I've lost to. He was probably on that team. I think we're the same age. Yeah. Um, or like a year different, so he probably yeah. played up too. Um, but yeah, no, that that is the only club team I've ever lost to. Not me as a as a, as a player. My team. I was the I was probably the last or second last midi on that roster, um, but yeah, hey, only lost one game in club and only, and never lost a game in high school.
1: So what about college, you was in a game.
0: oh yeah, I lost a lot. I lost the national championship by like eighteen
1: goals. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's uh, he's impressed me very much so far. Um, I mean, he put up nine points in four games and was an undrafted rookie and. I think he's filled in nicely for Grant Ament.
0: I agree. And then Matt Moore is also doing really well too. Really? Moore, what's what's his stats? Matt, Matt Moore, there? he's got 13 points, nine goals, and four assists. No kidding. Yeah. Um,
1: he's he's sixth,
0: in, sixth in the league right now. Damn. I mean, he's just got – Right, he, right behind Schreiber. And then, like, Schreiber's doing what he does best. And then Will Manny's leading the league, so.
1: Damn, yeah. I mean, pff, shit. And you what's got –
0: Then you got Holman Holman as well, too, and DeSimone.
1: Who's leading? So, Matt Moore, number one for rookies. Ash Nolting right behind him. I guess they're tied at 13. Was Nauskas with 12, and that's actually impressive. That Mm -hmm. many rookies in the top, you know, 20 for points. Chris Gray up there, too. Wow. I haven't really looked at, like, the numbers um, in terms of points
0: yeah well to to talk a little bit about um like the chaos kind of i mean obviously champions last year struggling at the start of the year i mean missing their core of their offense um but some guys kind of stepped in some roles i mean mac o'keefe obviously a phenomenal player but wasn't one of like I, i wouldn't consider him like the top five on that team last year um because of how studded they really are um but he's taken on a bigger role with them being gone and he's put up some highlight, real goals. He's got 10 points in four games. Um, I think that that's just going to continue to be good for him. Like that confidence is huge at that level. and I think he's going to keep rolling because he was getting like a top defenseman. Now he's going to get like their fourth or fifth defenseman.
1: True. That's so he,
0: I think he's just going to keep rolling if he continues to be playing the way he's playing. Um, And I mean, he's got an absolute bomb of a shot. Um, so if he keeps pulling it like that, he's gonna he's gonna fill the net.
1: You know what's also insane? Like looking, oh my god! I didn't even realize this. Brendan Nickturn, Army Army Strong, just up third. He has more points than Lyle Townley. He has sixteen points. I guess Lyle's only played in three games, but still, that's nuts.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's third in points. That's insane. there's a lot of talks about him like. Like I don't even want to get into it. Um, but a lot of talks about because like Wisnowskis ended up going first overall um and not him. Um, but obviously we don't need to really get into that and whatever. But Wisnowskis is also set
1: with that those two guys in attack with Dylan Malloy, the like they're chilling, they're laughing.
0: Yeah, no, they're I was I was worried that they were kind of gonna not struggle, but I was like, I don't know, like there might be too many people. Um, like too many guys that want the ball, but I mean every team's like that. But um they've really like these guys have stepped into some different style roles. Um, and Nick Turn's really been kind of dominating. I mean, third in points as a rookie is pretty impressive, unless you're Jeff Teat and you finish first in points as a rookie. That's
1: yeah, gross. Um, you know what's also insane? Last last bit about um points. Um Dylan Malloy didn't play a POL game until last year. He was in the Whatever that's called, the player pool.
0: Yeah, he was swimming with Jerry.
1: Yeah, for like um, probably 75, 80% of the season last year. And like he was a Tour ton winner in college and led Brown to a Final Four. Like guys disgusting, literally 13 in points. Tied with that. Like I just, it boggles my mind that nobody gave him a chance.
0: Yeah, I think there must have there must have been some other stuff that like the fans like we weren't seeing yeah. behind the scenes that had some reason for that. But no, yeah, he's he's having a great year, and there was like so much stuff on social media last year about him and about him getting his chance and running with it, which is great um, for him. Um, but uh, other PLL um, topic too, not a big deal. But I'm currently four and zero against Gino in PLL Royale. i <laughs> um, i I've, I've, I've had about. Two out of those four weeks, I've had some pretty like, pretty good numbers. Um, I think I could compete with a lot of people, um, but I think the other two weeks, Gino just was really bad, and I still snuck away with the win. So I'll I'll call anyone out. If anyone wants to challenge me, shoot me a DM, shoot me a text. If you got my number, I will challenge anyone, and I am willing to put some money on the line. And Gino's lucky that we haven't been putting money on the line because I would be a rich man.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know what's going on. I just... Picking guys in shitty, shitty weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I thought I liked your picks this week. I mean, I got I don't two think text made, messages. Like
1: any questionable picks where it's like, what is this guy doing? Like I've made like picks that like should be safe bets and they just have their worst performances. It's like the Geno curse. They play their worst game. Like everyone I picked them on my team.
0: No, I agree. I thought I agreed with you when you texted me and said you were this was your most confident week. I agree. I thought that you you put together probably your best roster yet. And I got two text messages this week calling you out, saying, "Is he like? Are you you paying him to let you win? Like this? These picks are terrible." And I was kind of shocked. I mean, you got Will Manny, who's leading the league, didn't have a great week, okay, but he's leading the league in points. Great. Then you get Dane Smith, who obviously is a stud. He ends up having a phenomenal week as a midfielder. 18 points in fantasy is huge. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, I was it was a steal too because he was like a level three because he hadn't played. So like it was a steal, it was like no brainer, like game spent. Like let's that's go.
0: that's why I took Zed because I was like hopefully every all the attention will be on other guys on the whips and Zed was a um a, th- a third tier guy because he hadn't played yet either. So I was like oh I'll definitely take Zed. Yeah. He's fresh off his cock's probably huge off a championship in the NLL. Like he's gonna be rolling. Um, but yeah, a sleeper pick too. Fanko for you. That was my only one where I was like I, I like He's A very good player. He had a great college career as well. Um, but I I. I was, I slept on him and as a defensive pick, getting 10 points is huge. I mean, not as good as my Michael Earhart, 16 points. Um, but yeah, I, I was very questionable of that pick. Um, but that ended up paying off for you. Um, yeah, then, well, I was,
1: I originally had Danny Logan in that spot. Um, I and mean, Danny Logan was a one, but I used the one in, the, who did I have for face-off? Pharrell. He, I think he was a one. So I, I switched those two. Um,
0: yeah. No, I mean, he had a good week, 13 points. I mean, Baptiste had 35, so that's yeah. pretty crazy. Um, and then um, Burnlaw again, great pick. Um, and I thought the Chaos were definitely going to win this week with the boys back, so I rode with Blaze, and that was not it for me. That 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 hurt me. I, if I if I if I didn't go with Blaze, I think I could have had a very very good week. Um, and Miles Jones is just again, Miles Jones is someone who's not impressing me this year. Um, he
1: does. Has Sergio said you don't played yet? I haven't, I haven't.
0: The first week when he got picked up, I looked, um, but he didn't have any stats. But I'm pretty sure he dressed. Um, but I don't know if he dressed this weekend.
1: That boy, that boy, surge.
0: Surge, man, guy's an animal. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty crazy stuff. Um, PL is rolling. Um, I'm, uh, I'm looking into possibly. Getting out. It's only like an hour and twenty minutes from where I'm, in New Jersey. I might try to go to Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, July 23rd and 24th. I'm I'm looking into it, seeing what the the options are, because um, I, I got I still haven't been to a PLL game. Um, I've been to tons of NLL games, and I went to I think two or three MLL games back when they were in Toronto and Hamilton. Um, but yeah, I, I got to get got to get to one of these games. the The fans, it looks phenomenal. The the Raywell Brothers really are doing it right. I mean, it looks like an absolute show and an absolute time. Um, so I got to figure out a way to get out there.
1: Yeah. I'm jealous. That's dope.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, we got a great um, interview coming up for you guys. Um, I know it's been a while, um, but we got a great interview, um, with Gino's boy, Mike, I mean, guy started, he's really been a staple, um, in the Illinois area. Um, I'll, I'll let Gino give him a little hype up here before we roll into it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Definitely somebody who's had a lot of influence on my college um, lacrosse career. Uh, He was my coach in high school and somebody I've had a really great relationship since my junior year of high school. uh, And somebody that just continues to, um, you know, transform Illinois lacrosse and just doing wonderful things. Also forgot to give a shout out. Kyle Robinson, the man, the myth, the legend, fellow uh, ex-Team 1 lacrosse coach, I forgot to give him a shout out in that interview said I would shout out Kyle Robinson for just being an all around great guy Um, that leads into an awesome interview with Mike. Hope you guys enjoy and we will be back to recording once a week moving forward. See you guys next week.
0: This interview is brought to you by quench gum. The new and improved quench electrolyte sports gum is packed with electrolytes and bursting with flavor. It acts fast to quench your thirst and help with dry mouth. Quench gives you the edge to reach your next peak. Click the link in our bio and use promo code STONES20 for 20% off your order.
1: Today's guest is an absolute legend. A guest close to me, an incredible mentor and player. The Arlington Heights native went to St. Vidar High School, where he is a current assistant coach, where he later made his way to Robert Morris University and is currently a member of Team Mexico and will be competing in the upcoming World Games as well as being the executive vice president of steelhead Cross club and paving the way for Illinois, Illinois Cross, Welcome Mike Cervantes. What's up beast. Hey guys,
2: how are you doing?
0: Just another day in life
1: living the dream.
2: Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, uh, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate the shout out there, Gino. Um, yeah, of course. You, know, you guys, you guys have had some unbelievable guests on the podcast so far. So to, uh, to get the call up and get the invite here. I, uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, maybe don't deserve all, all, all the recognition, but uh, you know, it's been, it's been a long journey and I just, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: No, for sure. I mean, Gino's had nothing but good things to say about you throughout the time that I've known him and stuff like that. So definitely looking forward to chatting with you and kind of learning more about your lacrosse and your background. Um, so if you want to kind of get the ball rolling, kind of talk to us, obviously growing up, um, in the state of Illinois not a traditional lacrosse hotbed um, talk to us kind of about you growing up getting involved in the sport of lacrosse other sports you played that influenced that that um, kind of take us to where you are today in the game.
2: Yeah absolutely um, so you know I probably have you know being from Illinois and you know being in high school in early 2000s um, you know the game wasn't massive out here just yet and you know compared to what it is now but um, you know, so I, I, grew up in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and, uh, my parents didn't want to send me to public school, uh, because they just didn't think the, the school was good for me. So, uh, you know, St. Viter high school down the road from us was, uh, was the move and, uh, going into freshman year. I started looking into kind of like what they offered. My parents were really big on, you know, hey, you got to do something fall, winter, and spring. We don't care what it is. You just got to be involved. You can't just be coming home after school. And so I wasn't a big football guy. I wasn't a baseball guy, really. Um, so I uh, I did cross country in the fall. I tried out for basketball in the winter. And then uh, I started looking into, you know, I saw that they offered lacrosse in the spring and. Now, I just, I didn't have any clue what it was at the time. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anyone that played it. Um, I had no experience. And so, you know, before I got there, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go and try out for the lacrosse team and whatever comes of it comes of it. But, you know, before I got there, I started doing some research, what it is, watching YouTube videos. And uh, back then they still had the Chicago machine uh, playing in Chicago, uh, the MLL team. And uh, so they used to run a three day summer camp out at Benedictine university in Lyle, Illinois. And, uh, you know, told my mom, Hey, can you sign me up for this? I want to try it. And she's like, sure, let's go to play it against sports and pick up some, some equipment and, you know, rest kind of uh, rest is history. I, you know, I I fell in love with it there. I went on to play at Vider and uh, you know, went. I think I went back to that camp almost every summer Uh, you know, and so that's kind of, you know, how I started playing, um, you know, and and that was, that was really kind of how the game was introduced to me, uh, through the, you know, the Chicago machine. Who were,
0: um, who were like, if you remember or recall, like who were some of like their, their guys then?
2: Oh man, Kevin Lavelle was the man, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. The, one of the first things, one of the first things he said, you know, I think, towards the end of the camp or in the middle, you know, just one of those things is, you know, it's such a Kevin Lavelle thing to say. He was just like, you know, yeah, you need to be good at both hands, but you know, if you're really good at like one hand, like that's all you need. And I was just like, okay, like, hell yeah, I can't go left at all. So let me just get really good at my right, you know? So that was, that was unreal. You know, he, he's obviously a legend, uh, you know, they had a lot of guys on the team back then that are kind of like still local Illinois guys, you know, Mike Gable from Vermont, you know, who runs true lacrosse with Jake Dean, you know, those guys were on the team. Tim Duffy uh, from Ohio State was on the team at the time. Uh, yeah, but Kevin Lavelle was a big name and uh, he was definitely the one uh, selling tickets for, for them at the time. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a fun experience. And, uh, you know, even to this day, you know, now I send emails to Kevin Lavelle about you know, jumping in on tournaments. And, you know, I always shoot him that, like, you know, hey, like, you definitely don't remember me out of the hundreds of kids that went to plenty of your summer camps. But, you know, that was a really, that was a really awesome time.
0: I love that, like that he said that, that's literally so me. I I tell (laughs) that to my kids all the time, like being Canadian, like, they'll be like, oh, like, I I totally forget that, like, you need to like train kids both hands. And like, I'll be doing a drill, just dominating it righty for like 30 minutes. And they're like, oh, like, coach, like, should we also do a lefty? And I was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, I guess. Like I was like, <laughs> I just like, don't do that. I was like, but yeah, you definitely should like at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I always, I always show right. And then I, I tell them what to do left, you know? <laughs> so yeah, but no, it was, it was a great experience. And uh, you know, that's, that's really kind of where I started to play, um, you know, and then from there, you know, my lacrosse journey has just been, you know, crazy and uh you know I've been fortunate um to 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 still do it to this day but um you know I think I think a lot of people can can relate to that sometimes you know sometimes that journey isn't you know simple and uh, you know I I didn't go you know any any kind of crazy route you know I didn't go 4 years in high school get recruited junior senior year and then you know go on and play for another 4 or 5 years and then you know it all worked out my my journey's a little a little different so but either way, I'm I'm super fortunate to uh, have the experiences that I have. I think that's a good segue.
1: Um, kind of talking
2: through your recruiting
1: process there being non-traditional approach. Kind of walk us through what that was like for you. Um, obviously being from a non-traditional hotbed, um, and you know, kind of let the let the listeners in on what that was like for you and how you got to, you know, being on Team Mexico.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like I said you know, I, I went through high school, um, I was probably your most average lacrosse player at the time, even in Illinois. Um, so that really didn't mean much for, you know, recruiting, um, you know, back then in Illinois, if you were, you know, you really only started to get seen if you were, you know, some of the best of the best and you were playing on, um, you know, team Illinois at the time back way back in the day. Um, it was run by a guy named John Combs and, uh, he, uh, you know, basically, if you made all state, you got an invite to be on Team Illinois. And, uh, you know, I was I was never anywhere near that. So, uh, you know, I, I went through high school, kind of went through the motions. To be honest, I was kind of a shithead kid and, you know, got got in trouble a handful of times, was ineligible every, you know, every other week and stuff like that. And, you know, the game wasn't just it wasn't calling me at the time. It was it was more of just something to do and make sure that, you know, my parents made sure I was out of the house. And, uh, you know, so no, no recruiting letters ever came, never went out to, you know, tournament where coaches were looking at me. Um, you know, when I graduated, I actually didn't have many schools on the table to even go to. Um, I ended up going to Northern Illinois university, my freshman year of college, uh, you know, just state school here at home. And, uh, that's kind of really where I started to fall in love with the game again, um, they had a club program. It wasn't even MCLA. It was like, it was something like G triple L, which was like great lakes lacrosse league. And, you know, it was just like, it was us Northwestern, uh, Northwestern men's like, which is just like super club. And um, you know, like Wisconsin, Madison had a team, uh, Wisconsin whitewater, you know, just like random schools just throughout the Midwest, Uh, you know, and like, it was the the greatest experience, you know, I could have asked for. It was really where I fell in love with the game again. It was so laid back. It was so like, you know, player coach ran, like the expectation was like show up. And if you don't like, okay, well then you just don't play, you know? So the guys that wanted to play would show up and the guys that could care less didn't, you know, and it was, it was laid back. And, you know, I think that's really where they allowed me to just kind of, Be me and, you know, you know, okay, well, you know, he can catch, he can pass, you know, this and that, you know, no one's hawking me. I could just show up and just kind of do my thing. And, you know, that's just, you know, obviously hanging out with, you know, 20 dudes that just loved playing lacrosse, nowhere near the highest level at all, was just a great experience. And, you know, bus rides and, you know, overnight sleeps in Madison, Wisconsin, in the biggest college town ever, like, know the boys would just grab a case on the way up you know have a case on the way down like you know it was just it was just a great time and a great experience and you know i would i wouldn't give anything um up for that and um you know that's really where i fell in love with it but of course with all that comes you know i was also in a frat i was also going out you know wednesday through sunday and not going to class and you know long story short my parents end up yanking me from uh, NIU state school. And, uh, you know, they're like, hey, you got to come home. Uh, You're going to go to the community college down the road. And, uh, you know, that's what it is right now. And, you know, so I spent a year and a half out state school and then got yanked and came back home. And, you know, all my friends were out at these big University of Iowa, University of Wisconsin, Madison, you know, these big old schools. And I was the only one back home just know, going JUCO. And uh, that's kind of where my mentality shifted. Um, I, you know, I actually kind of like buckled down and was like, all right, if I don't get serious about something, uh, you know, I probably won't graduate college and God knows where I'm going to end up. Uh, So I just got really lucky. And, you know, Robert Morris University in Chicago Um, was starting a program, uh, NAIA. And um coach just reached out to me. I think he was kind of just like hitting anybody he could possibly find contact info for uh that might have been local and was just like, Hey, look, I'm starting a team, like I know you've played. You wanna uh wanna come down and, and come to school and get a little bit of scholarship money and play lacrosse? And I was like, absolutely. I was, you know, I was going to JUCO and just like miserable living at home I was like I was like yeah you're gonna throw some money on me and I get to you know lace up again no brainer so you know spent a semester at JUCO and then that spring I transferred into Robert Morris University in Chicago which I had never even heard of before Um, you know and then spent the next four years there Um, our head coach um, was MJ Kikabelt, who was a D3 All-American at RIT Um, you know, so we were really for, he was a former MLL player at the time too. So like, we were just really fortunate to like stumble upon a couple of like great coaches and, you know, they did the best they possibly could with the little resources we had. And, you know, we just, we, we grew a program from nothing into something by the time I left. And then, you know, that, that was it. And so, you know, the recruiting process for me was, you know, just so, unrealistic for, for most people and just so not natural. And, uh, you know, it was kind of just one of those things where, you know, it's a little bit of timing, a little bit of, you know, falling into my lap, a little bit of like, you know, Hey, kind of being a shithead, but you know, now get a little serious and, and something might happen. And, um, yeah, the rest, the rest was history, you know, graduated with, you know, three, eight GPA, you know, don't want to brag about that or nothing, but, you know, buckled down and just was like, I was like, you know, I graduated, graduated with a business degree and was just like, this is, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to play lacrosse and I want to get through college and, you know, was fortunate enough to have that opportunity. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what I kind of tell, you know, all these kids that I coach these days is like, it's not about, you know, not having that unreal school offer on the table. It's just, you know, answer every coach, listen to every email, like don't shut the doors. Cause like, you just don't know what will happen. And, you know, you got to kind of play the game, but at the same time, if, you know, if a coach wants you, like you got to really listen to him because you know some people just don't have that opportunity. Some people just never get that call. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to get it, you know, three years after high school and, you know, it kind of just, it's just how it went. Crazy, crazy story there. And, you know,
1: everything happens for a reason. I think like so many kids like put an unrealistic pressure of themselves. I mean, like I, I shan too, like growing up in an era where kids are getting recruited in like eighth grade to go play division one lacrosse. Like you put like an unrealistic expectation on yourself where like it's D1 or bust and you don't even like hear out like an NAIA school. That's like a phenomenal option for somebody or a division three school. And in Michigan that has the, major that you want. Like there's so many schools out there and like a place for everybody. Um, And I think the game's in a better place than it was, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago um, in terms of the recruiting process. But it's just crazy to hear how, you know, everybody has a different like path um, that leads them to that, that final home.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that that's one of the biggest things that I tell the people, like I tried to take on like a different style role like when i do private lessons and stuff with kids i try to also be kind of like almost like a recruiting director kind of like giving them advice and stuff because there's not enough people that are really doing that today and like the biggest thing i tell people is yeah like go visit as many schools as you can like i visited like a ton of schools and most of them like were very like minimal offers but if a coach was willing to have me on campus i went like i was like i'm going i'm hearing what he has to say Who knows? Like, even if he's only giving me a small scholarship, they could this, I could walk on campus and this could be the best fit ever. Um, So I I think it's big on that. And also, too, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, so what? Like, I got a bunch of low level D1 offers, and then I got an offer from St. Leo, who I never heard of. um, And we ended up playing in a national championship my sophomore year. Like, ended up having a sick experience, lived in Florida. Who wouldn't want to fucking do that coming from the North? like just people don't realize that there's there's so much shit out there um you just have to open your eyes and actually just realize it um but on a crazy tangent there but kind of to switch gears big time um obviously reading up on you and kind of learning about your background from gino um pretty cool getting to be a part of team mexico and also just being a part of like the world games as a whole um box and field. um so if you can want to kind of dive into that and Talk to us how that came about and how you got into that and how kind of it's transpired since then.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So back in 2018, when the World Games were happening in Israel, um, I had just seen something on social media about like. Uh, team Mexico. I I don't know where exactly I saw it, or maybe I Googled it because I was just like, I was so interested in the world games coming up. And I was like, this is like, that just looks like an unreal opportunity to play in a different country for your country and represent like who you are. And so I just started researching like this team Mexico, like does Mexico have a team? And you know, that, that's, you know, where my family's from, I'm 100% Mexican, and my mom was born there. So, uh, you know, I just started doing some research. And I stumbled upon, I think their social media page, just like their Instagram at the time. And, um, you know, I just DM would them, I was like, hey, like, I want to go to Israel with you guys. Like, I know, you don't know me, I don't know the process at all. Like, I, I just have no clue, but I'm interested. And, uh, I think it was like a couple months before they went to Israel and they were just like, yeah, sorry. Like we already have a team, but, um, you know, if, if you're interested in, you know, representing Mexico lacrosse, like we think we're going to do the, uh, the next indoor world championships, um, you know, coming up. So, you know, just stay tuned. We'll take your email and like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be in contact. And I was like, all right, like, you know, not crazy ton of box experience. I I was just like all in on field at the time. That's what I had played for, you know, my, my entire career. And, um, I was like, all right, well, here's my email. Just like, you know, keep in contact with me. And, uh, you know, they went to Israel and I followed the whole, like, you know, world games in Israel. And it was just, it just looked like an unbelievable experience. I was like, all right, well, any opportunity I get, like I'm jumping. And uh, they end up reaching back out to me and they're like, hey, like we're going to hold a, you know, a a box team tryouts up in uh, New York City, uh, just right outside the city, actually. And, uh, you know, if you if you're interested, come out. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I think this is my opportunity to kind of get involved. And so I ended up shooting out there, I think. Uh, the field games were in 2018. And then I think they had that tryout in January of 2019. Uh, Shout out to New York city. No clue what was about to happen. Didn't like, didn't know anybody on the team. Like I didn't even honestly know who the guy that was emailing me was. Um, You know, there wasn't any meeting before it was very like, it was very like men's team. Like, Oh cool. You want to be on the team? Like, you know, just, you know, shoot out to this and we'll see if, you know, you're up to par. Um, and so I get out there and, uh, you know, basically they, you know, there was like, I don't even know. It was like 25 to 30 guys, um, just in like an outdoor box, you know, an outdoor inline rink. Um, and we basically did like 30 minutes of just like skill work. And then we scrimmaged the, uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers out in New York, like the Ulex team for like an hour. And we just like, they gave us like Team Mexico, like uh, jerseys, like with our names on, it. it was actually kind of sick just for like showing up and just coming out to a tryout. Uh, yeah. And then we just scrimmaged the Brooklyn Dodgers for like an hour. And then that was, I think that was that like Saturday. And then Sunday, we literally showed right back up to the same spot and did it again. And, uh, you know, that was just like a, that was just a new experience for me because I had just never, one, I, I didn't really play box. It was just like, it was completely different to me. It was just an opportunity to play for Team Mexico. Didn't know what it meant, but I, I wanted to do it. And, uh, you know, got through that tryout, was fortunate enough to, you know, get called onto the team. And, you know, basically that September, we uh, we shipped out to, to Coover um, at the Langley Center. And, uh, you know, that experience at the World Indoor Championships was basically just like, probably one of the most fulfilling times of of my journey in lacrosse. And, you know, I just met so many people um, just on my team specifically, and then just had the opportunity to just watch and, you know, meet other, you know, great players, um, you know, in the game. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really kind of how I got involved. It it all started with just like a DM to, you know, the Instagram page and was just like, Hey, I want to play. And they're like, well, not now, but you know, maybe later. And I was like, all right, well, I'll wait. And you know, the time came kind of.
1: What, uh, I mean, you kind of touched on it there, but what was the, the World Games like um, in Vancouver? Like, just in between games, like you see some of like, the best players in our games there. Um, just, you know, walk us through that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, the, like, the the top teams compared to the bottom teams are, you know, just like, you know, night and day. Um, you know, team Mexico was new to box. They had done field a handful of times, you know, but our box level of, you know, our team was, you know, mediocre at best. Um, you know, so just getting to watch USA and Israel and Canada, um, you know, and the Iroquois team, it was just, you know, an unbelievable experience. Just getting to watch those guys in person, see the speed of their play. I mean, the Iroquois guys just warming up, slamming the ball off the glass, just zipping right back to their sticks. It was just like, it was just unbelievable. And just like eye opening to like, you know, especially when, you know, when you're coaching kids, it's just like, you think you're good. And and sometimes you just haven't seen that before. Um, you know, so you always kind of, you know, it, it was a humbling experience, um, you know, but going back to that as well, you know, obviously USA, Canada you know iroquois those guys are very well taken care of you know they you know they're staying in the nice hotels and you know they're they're getting taken care of and you know they get all the gear and the you know the good game times and they get to play you know in the big stadium every game while you know team mexico and the rest of us are getting one game in the big stadium and the rest of us are playing kind of on the side stadium where you know, it's just like, you know, your basic indoor box rink that like probably your kids would practice in. Uh, But again, you know, even those one or two games, they get to play in a stadium where there were like fans in the stands and, you know, jumbotron on your face when you get a penalty and I'm sitting in the box, like it was just, it was unreal. And, you know, all those games were, uh, were recorded too. So it was just a great experience to be able to go back and watch those and kind of just see live kind of what that looked like. And, uh, you know, I think just one of the best, best, best moments of the entire thing was um, we were playing Sweden, uh, no, I'm sorry, Austria in the playoffs and basically like if we beat them, we would automatically not finish any lower than like 13. And like, I think there was like, I don't know, I think there was like 20, 25 teams there. So it was like, it was a big deal for us being our first time and our team wasn't like super strong, but like towards the end of the, you know, the, the week we were, we were starting to play well and mesh well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, Canada is just different. Like there was a school down the road. I think it was just like, a I don't even think it was junior high. It was like elementary and they just brought the kids to the game, like in the middle of the, of like a weekday, like a Wednesday or Thursday, like noon game on a field trip. And like, they were just like filling the stands and it was like unbelievable. And like, you know, it was a tight game and we, 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 you know, it was, uh, It was a good game and it was close. And, you know, out of nowhere we just start hearing the kids in the background, just, you know, go team Mexico, go team. And it was just like this, like unreal experience. Like no one, no one would ever be cheering that like, you know, anywhere in Canada watching us play box. Like, you know, it was the most like, you know, mid tier level box you've probably ever seen, but like, you know, just hearing these kids in the stands shouting, you know, go Mexico, um, it was, it was just an unreal experience. Um, but you know, back to the, like the, the experience, you know, from a, from a outside looking in standpoint, um, you know, I think, I think another great story is just, you know, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget it. I I think I tell everybody that in the lacrosse world, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, you like almost don't believe it when you see it. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you, you know, if you, if you know, you know, right. And um, so team Mexico was, was I think we were off and we were going to the main stadium to watch Iroquois play Israel, Um, you know, top bracket game. It was like one of the night games. So, you know, we were off, we wanted to go watch and everyone got like locker space, underneath the stadium so like all the teams could leave their gear like every single team had like a little like booth area where you could just drop off your stuff so we were like all right well we're gonna head to the game we'll drop off all of our gear underneath the stadium and it'll be there for us tomorrow and there was like a side door entrance only for players and teams and like I'll just never forget like me and four other guys are are rolling up and you know it was like an assistant coach and like probably like three of the Iroquois guys just ripping darts (laughs) on the side of the, on the side of the building. And it was like halftime. And I was just like, and they were blowing the doors off of Israel. Like it didn't even matter. And it was just like one of those things where like, we all just looked at each other and like, it was just like, it was just one of those things you just like, don't forget. Right. And uh, it was just like, man, like these guys can blow the doors off teams rip darts at halftime and roll the ball back out there and just keep going. It was just like unbelievable. And like, anytime I'm like, anytime I'm like, all right, like maybe I shouldn't drink tonight because I got a game tomorrow. I'm just like, "Mm," but, but the Iroquois guys were ripping darts at halftime. You got, you got a whole nine hours of sleep ahead of you. Like these guys were doing it in the middle of the game. Like you'll be all right and uh, so yeah that I think that on that was one of the like best player stories that I have from that and like the the best team story is definitely the the kids chanting in the stands um, you know go team Mexico was uh, was unreal so just the whole experience was great Um, you know it was like a week and a half and you're just playing lacrosse man like you're in a hotel with 20 dudes just like you know you feel like you're back in college and like I wasn't far off from college at the time so it was just great to kind of continue that run and continue to play and you know most guys just don't get that opportunity to keep playing um for anything you know other than Ulex so you know, it was just one of those things to, to hear your, uh, your country's national anthem played before every game. And you're standing up there wearing your, your family's last name on your jersey. It was just, it was just an unreal experience.
0: No, for sure. I mean, I'm able to connect kind of two parts to two of your stories there, but um, the first one, most recent that you just talked about growing up, like in Canada, like watching um, like the three, like historic teams like you're watching the peterborough lakers you watch um six nations chiefs brooklyn redmond they're like the top senior a teams in like my area of ontario um and they have the top nll players and you'll be walking out like my dad and all his buddies will be out like in the car by sitting outside the cars tailgating drinking beers in between periods so like as kids we'll go on the floor at intermission we're shooting balls whatever but sometimes we'd go outside and we'd hang out like at the car with them and like pass around the parking lot and i'd walk out to the parking lot and like the guys would be hanging outside the arena like the players like i I, i'm trying to think of like guys back then like big time at all names but they'd be hanging out out there having like a can of like coca-cola and smoking like darts and i'm just like and like as a kid i thought it was like funny and like my dad would walk by and he'd be like laughing and i was like oh like i don't get it and then once i started like playing lacrosse like in high school and in college i was like how the fuck like I was like, there's no way I could have did that. Like, at halftime, I'm fucking, like, about to throw up. Like, I'm dying. Like, and I was like, I get these are, like, the best athletes in our game. But at the same time, like, like how? But at the same time, I will say that box lacrosse is different. Like, it, it, it is, like, a different type of conditioning. It's tiring, but it's a different type of conditioning than, like, the field game. Um, and, and I can... I can get behind how they are able to do that. It's, it's funny, but I've, I've experienced that since I was like, like a kid first time, like watching lacrosse. Um, but then also on your other story about how like the Canadian kids just like went on a field trip to like watch like the the world games when the world, the world, the world box games before that. Um, though, I guess, I think though, I don't know if it was two before that, when they were in, um, they were in, like Onondaga Syracuse area. Um, so that one, um, like my older brother who I consider my older brother, he was helping coach the defense for like team Serbia. One of his like old coaches like was helping out. Um, so he was like, Oh, like come down with me. Like, he's like, we were, dr- he was driving back and forth. So like, I drove down with him cause it's like about five hours for us to get to Syracuse. So I drove down with him like on a Saturday, whatever. And then he drove back home and then they played again on, I think Monday and I uh, like, he was like oh like come with me again i was like i got school and like i like was like oh fuck it like whatever i'll ask your dad whatever it'll be fine and like he asked my dad and he's like yeah i don't give a shit whatever so i literally skipped school drove to syracuse watched like the world games i was like hanging out in the tunnel i have a picture like like early on like when snapchat like first came out on my snapchat memories of like lyle thompson getting like taped up and i was just walking past him I was, like a little kid i was like holy shit holy shit it's lyle thompson um like right after he gets out of college and i was just like crazy experience but yeah canada and when it comes to box lacrosse there's no fucking rules like school doesn't matter nothing matters it's it's watch box
2: lacrosse yeah absolutely absolutely that's what it felt like that's what it felt like when we watched them kind of fill the stands for sure kind of kind
1: of transition here uh kind of a question we uh ask all of our guests uh could be college um or I guess international games, but the best post game, uh, doesn't have to be drinking related or anything to that matter, but just, you know, best game that led to the best, you know, whether it's a bus ride or it's a night out at a bar or whatever, but best
2: post game experience. Oh man. I think, uh, I think definitely like we me and a handful of uh guys from um the u.s we went down to mexico city um went down to mexico city for like a the you know the guys down there and the universities down there were holding like a like an in-house you know tournament and uh you know, it wasn't like it wasn't anything like, you know, it wasn't a college game or like a international game. It was literally just like a, a for fun game. But like it was like super competitive because um, basically what they did is they they already had teams down there in Mexico, like the universities down there have men's teams and that's kind of like how they play each other. Um, it's actually really cool. And uh, basically just a handful of guys from the U.S. went down. But instead of being like on the same team, like making our own team, they basically like split us all up to play on different university teams. So it was like really legit, and like we all had like uniforms, and like you know it was it was it was really legit. And uh, you know I would say I would say playing in that, and then the afterwards was just like the entire like what mexico lacrosse organization i mean we're talking like you know we're talking a lot of people just like had a massive party and then like and then like tw- uh, i don't know 15 of us like went with some of the local guys just out on the town like they took us to some of the craziest places like in mexico it was like it was unreal like Like, just like, it was an unreal experience. Like there, they took us to like, they took us to some crazy neighborhoods in Mexico and like some places like you, you almost didn't want to be. And it was just like, you, you still had like the time of your life. And I think we were out till like 7am and just like, we were like, that was the best night ever. And it all started at a Hooters in mexico like that was their that was their thing it was like it's like we got to go to hooters and everyone obviously the u.s guys were like it's it's weird but you know we're in (laughs) there's never been a
0: bad night there's never been a bad night that started at hooters
2: no not at all we we weren't complaining at all but yeah man it was just like it was just an unreal experience to like go out with guys from a different country who to be honest look at you like you know you do play in the pll or you know they, they, you know, the, the representation of, you know, lacrosse in the U S is just something that's just so different in, you know, certain countries and, you know, in Mexico specifically, like if you played in college and you're from the U S and like, you're on the team, like they consider you like, you know, one of the greatest players, you know, ever. And, you know, so just that experience kind of getting to go out with those guys and, you know, them taking us under their wing and, you know, us being kind of just like foreign and, you know, they don't, they don't know us. Right. Like the only, the only affiliation we have is lacrosse. And I think that's the greatest part about it is just that like we play lacrosse, they play lacrosse and, you know, we're Mexican and they're Mexican. And, you know, all that, that's all it takes when it comes to like, you know, taking people under your wing and, you know, letting guys stay at your house and like, you know, you don't, you don't need to necessarily be best friends, but like, if you have those things, certain things in common, like, you know, it goes a long way, especially in the lacrosse world.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, some of the best relationships that I have, both people on the, on the zoom call right now are from the game. And I think that that's just like a testament to like the lacrosse community as a whole, but kind of switch, switch gears here. um, I mean, you and I have kind of had a relationship for what six, seven years now, Um, kind of starting your coaching career. And now it's kind of blossomed as to one of the, the mainstays in Illinois lacrosse coaching just kind of talk us through what that process has been like and, you know, starting up steelhead now and crushing it there um, and starting at lakes in Antioch D one one seven coaching there. So just kind of walk us through that whole process.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess after all of that, you know, getting to play in high school, getting to play in college eventually, and, you know, graduating and stuff like that um, you know, I kind of always had that itch to, stay around the game. Um, I graduated and then, you know, kind of just started your, your general corporate nine to five at the desk job. Um, you know, and then while I did that, I was like, you know, man, I got to stay around the game. I got to do something that, you know, I I don't know what it is right now, but I really want to just like coach and be around the game. And so, um, I, I applied for a couple different high school jobs, you know, a couple called me back, a couple ghosted me. Like, you know, I didn't have crazy amounts of experience other than just playing, Um, you know? And so I think one of the only places that called me back was um, a guy named Matt Larson up in, you know, Lakes Antioch area where Gino's from. And he was like, look, I can't get anyone to drive this far. and if you're willing to do it, we'd love to have you. And I was like, it wasn't that far from where I was working at the time. And, uh, you know, so I was like, all right, well, yeah, I'll, I'll clock in till five and head out there and be at practice at five 30 and, you know, stay till seven 30 and, you know, just shoot, shoot the hour back, um, once it's all over. And obviously at the time you're you know, you're 23 and have zero obligations to anything other than just make sure you show up to work the next day, you know, didn't have like a crazy, serious girlfriend or anything like that. So, you know, it was just the right, it was the right thing for me. And, you know, that, that year there really was just the, the blossoming of me really just loving to coach. Um, you know, I spent that year there and, you know, the all those guys that I coached there Gino being one of them ended up going and playing college ball after I left and like that's just one of the most rewarding things to know and you know obviously a couple of those guys coach for me now Gino's coach for me and you know just continuing those relationships have been amazing and uh yeah so I spent that year there and then after that I kind of got that you know that itch more and was like what's next and uh got a, got an assistant role at North Central College in Illinois, D3 brand new school. I think it was like their second or third year when, when they hired me and, uh, was, was all in on that. Like did, you know, did some recruiting in the fall and winter trips. Um, you know, started, started really working with, with the college guys and just kind of understanding the difference there between coaching high school and coaching college. And then, you know, at, and then I ended up having to, uh, move for work after fall ball um so I didn't get to really stay or experience that college um that college coaching life and uh, I moved to kind of like middle of nowhere Illinois um it's actually where uh it's Bloomington, Illinois where Illinois Wesleyan University is and uh just at the time they weren't looking for more coaches and uh so I was like okay well you know the high schools around here don't have lacrosse and you know IWU isn't you know hiring anybody so like what's you know, how do, how do I stay involved? And surprisingly, they actually had like a massive youth club. Um, you know, they had like a club high school team and then like, you know, just youth teams like a spring league. And it had like 150, 200 kids in it, but like, it wasn't a sponsored sport. Like the high schools didn't have it. It was just like something guys did for fun. Um, Bloomington, Illinois is where the state farm headquarters is. So they would get, you know, guys from the East coast graduate school and then they'd get hired for some big time job down there. And I think a couple of the dads were the ones that kind of started it because they knew the game, they had played it, but you know, they didn't really have anybody to help run it or, you know, they didn't have uh, people to help that had knowledge or even any, you know, experience with it. And so I kind of went, just, I reached out, I went all in with that and, you know, the year and a half while I was down there, I I helped with all the youth teams and the club high school teams. And uh, I actually petitioned and, you know, advocated and did all the the legwork and, you know, heavy lifting to, to add the sport to the high schools down there. And now they are a, a sponsored, you know, Illinois high school um, association lacrosse program, um, which is unbelievable to just be able to be a part of that and just, you know, be able to say that, you know, I was, I was there to, to help push that and, you know, make that a thing for those kids, especially the ones that, you know, were, were young at the time. Um, you know, the high school guys that were there when I was there, didn't get that opportunity, but you know, it paved the way for the youth guys to, to have a high school to play for. So that was really cool. And then eventually I ended up, you know, moving back home with, with my job. And, um, yeah. And then I just kind of like hit the ground running. I was like all in on lacrosse at the time. And, you know, I had been about like two and a half years of like coaching, you know, at Lakes Antioch and, you know, helping build the youth program and a little bit of college sprinkled in there. And I was just like, I'm all in. Like I, I like I, at the time I was about two and a half years into my desk job. And I was just like, I fucking hate this. Like the crunch of numbers. And like, you know, it wasn't that I was, bad at it. It was just like, it was just a miserable time, like sitting at a desk and staring at a computer screen. And I'm just a, I'm such a people person. And I like to talk. And um, so I was just like, how do I do more? How do I, how do I get away from this? And, you know, I reached out to, when I moved back into town, I was like, okay, well now lacrosse is around. I'm around lacrosse more and, you know, there's club programs and and this and that. And, uh, you know, it's just again, my life and lacrosse has just been intertwined for a very long time and right time, right place. But, you know, I, I followed, um, I followed Casey Powell on Twitter and he tweeted something that was just like, Hey, team one lacrosse club is, you know, hiring great people, like reach out if you're interested. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Like I want to coach club. Like I want to get involved in like, You know, that club at the time wasn't too far from where I was. So I reached out, sent an email, was just like, Hey, like, obviously, you don't know me. You're one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time. And my resume probably doesn't really stack up, but like, I'd love to coach. And they brought me in. And at first, I was offered like a part time gig. And then literally 24 hours later, they were just like, You know what? Actually, like, we need a guy with some like desk, you know, experience that can handle certain things that we need. And uh, do you want to come on full-time? And I was like, I don't know, can you match my salary? <laughs> and, and, uh, and they were just like, yeah. And I was like, well, then where do I sign? And so, you know, again, it was just one of those like right time, right place, like, you know, just re- you know, send an email to Casey Powell, who would have thought ever, and he responded. And, you know, I sat for an interview and it's just, you know, it's where it started. And, um, you know, I spent two, two and a half years running that club program down there with, you know, CP and, you know, a couple other, you know, just great guys. And, you know, we we just, you know, we had the time of our lives growing a program and traveling and, you know, getting to learn and watch and see how one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time kind of interacted, coached, just, just the way he could, you know, run a group of, of, of players, you know, run a clinic, just all those experiences just, just taught me so much. And I'm super thankful to Casey and, you know, we're still good friends to this day, but, um, yeah, it was just a great, it was just a great opportunity that, you know, that kind of put me to where I am now. And, um, you know, so after those two years, I was, you know, I was starting to kind of like want to do my own thing. I was like, you know, there there's rules here. And, um, you know, there were just certain things that I wanted to do as a lacrosse guy. And the club at the time wasn't run by a lacrosse guy and it wasn't owned by a lacrosse guy. So I was just like, I want to do something different. Like I I want to do my own thing and I don't know how to do that or where to start, but I want to do it. And um, at the time, team Illinois was becoming a thing again and it had some really great people involved with it. And uh, you know, I had worked with one of the guys at St. Viter high school where I was coaching at the time for the spring. And, you know, I had kind of talked about how I kind of wanted to get into my own stuff. And he had, he had just started his own club. And, you know, so he was like, Hey, like, you know, we're, we're thinking about adding another club to the you know team Illinois family. Um, You know, we think you'd be a great guy to kind of run that it's, you know, it's up in that Northern region of Illinois where you've basically spent the last, you know, five years of your lacrosse career building. And I was like, well, you know, let's, let's start talking about this. Like, what does that consist of? And then, you know, long story short, that's how Steelhead lacrosse club was, was, was born. And, um, you know, that's, that's started nine months ago, 10 months ago. And, you know, here we are with 130 players and, you know, just something that I, um, I take a lot of pride in and, uh, you know, just the coaching aspect and and being able to you know, kind of push, push that, you know, those, those things that have helped put me where I am with my experiences and and things like that, and kind of giving back to the kids and, you know, really what Steelhead Lacrosse Club is, is, you know, we're, we're built on, you know, a couple pillars and, you know, one of the main ones is just continuing to grow the game. And, you know, there's so many club programs out there and there's so many people doing amazing things and great things. And I'm never going to put, you know, any of those, you know, other programs down, but, you know, there are a lot of, you know, places just not helping put more sticks in hands and breaking down those, you know, barriers of entry to the game, right? Like you got to go buy a hundred dollar stick and a $200 helmet and you got to buy gloves and pads, right? It's, you know, it's an expensive sport and Hey, like, if you want to play, you got to travel and you got to be on the travel club. And so, you know, we're just trying to we're trying to pitch a little bit of a different approach when it comes to that. And, you know, we're, we're, we've been putting on a lot of like park district clinics and, you know, partnering with a lot of just communities and you know, park districts in itself and, you know, just breaking down those walls and just being like, Hey, here's a stick. Like, here it is. Like, you don't have to pay for this. Like, we'll just put it in your hands and we'll, we'll roll out a couple of tennis balls and set up a, you know, a mini rage cage and let's just, you know, let's just enjoy being a part of the game, you know? So that's, you know, that's one of our main missions is just continue to put more sticks in hands. And, um, you know, it's been great so far. And, you know, obviously, the other mission is to put competitive level, you know, travel across club kids out on the field and compete and help them get recruited. And, you know, whatever their goals are, whether it's to get recruited, or, you know, go play at Alabama club ball, like, and they just want to have a really good spring season for their high school, like, you know, whatever it is, that's what we're there for. And, you know, we don't, we don't put that pressure on anybody, but, you know, at the same time, we have standards and, you know, if you're playing for us, you know, you're you're probably getting pushed at practice and we're probably, you know, being picky about things you do. And, you know, it's just been a great experience. And, you know, obviously that's a long-winded answer, but, um, you know, that that's kind of how steelhead lacrosse club has, has become a thing. And that's kind of how I've, you know, gone head first into this whole, like, coaching for a living now you know that's just what I do like I don't I don't sit at a desk you know I don't work you know eight to five and but I also don't get weekends and uh I don't get a lot of free nights and you know but I wouldn't trade it for the world and you know just being able to do the things I get to do is just you know it's invaluable and I wouldn't trade it for anything
0: no for sure I think that um it's great to hear you say that I mean a lot of clubs like I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of great clubs from um, edge lacrosse in Canada um, to team 91 in New Jersey. I mean, but there's not enough people doing like the stuff that you're doing, like actually doing like free clinics and actually like giving kids a stick and getting to do that. Um, I I, I wouldn't be like, I I was very lucky to work with um, a program in Tampa. I have to give them a shout out uh, West Tampa wolves, but they do a lot of what you just said. I mean, being able to run like a free clinic and just bringing in like 20 kids from like an area that isn't huge in lacrosse like tampa's growing in lacrosse but it's nothing compared to like a new york new jersey pennsylvania anything like that um so being able to run these three pre-clinics and give kids a stick getting them from donations like i donated a bunch of my shit um, to the program and just being able to teach those kids and actually bring a new wave of kids into the game that have never even heard of it or ever seen it or anything like that so that's awesome that you're doing that i mean Obviously, the competitive aspect is huge, too. I mean, being able to do both is huge. Um, but, like, that's not knocking any of the big clubs that do it for just the competitive aspect. But you being able to do both is phenomenal for the game. And that's, like, great to hear. And that's awesome, man. Like, that's really good.
1: Yeah, Mike. I mean, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me. And, you know, absolutely pioneering pioneering. Illinois lacrosse to you know new heights I mean I look back when I started playing what was it 14 15 years ago and now where it's growing I mean half the high schools in Illinois that have competitive high school teams didn't even know what a stick was 10 years ago and I think a lot of that has to do with you know what you've been able to do for the northern suburbs and continue to do and I just can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me but for the game um that's just a perfect way to end it right there
2: yeah absolutely well i appreciate the shout out guys and again i wholeheartedly appreciate being on this and like i said you guys are uh you guys have had some 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 great guests on so just happy to be a part of this and uh really appreciate it and you know i think the game needs kind of more of this right where it's just just talking about the game like it doesn't have to be structured it doesn't have to be you know extremely super hardcore or, you know, per, you know, always so uptight professional, right. Cause that's just not what it is. The game is free flowing and, you know, it's just, it's just how it's played on the field and that's how it should be talked about too. So I appreciate what what you guys are doing on this podcast and, you know, kind of just how you guys are approaching it. And, you know, again, you've had some un- unbelievable guests on so far, so just happy to be a part of this all